Hello, 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 and welcome to the first episode of the Clarity Podcast, where you'll not only get the insight to help you transition your career, but we'll have raw, unfiltered conversations about equity and access in corporate America. I'm your host, Tristan Layfield of Career Clarity Solutions, formerly Layfield Resume Consulting. And before we get into more about the pod, I want to take a moment to introduce myself because I know some of you guys might be transitioning over from the tap in with Tristan. Some of you may be old colleagues, classmates, or even clients of mine. And some of you may not even know who the hell I am at all, right? So for those of you who don't know, I'm Tristan Layfield and I'm based in Detroit, Michigan. And in 2017, I started my company after being a hiring manager for Fortune 500 companies for quite a few years. And during that time, I noticed that black and brown candidates had an issue conveying the value that they bring to companies and organizations and I really wanted to help them in that area and so I started my company to not only help them identify that value but to package it up and market it in a way that helps them land the roles that they want and get the salaries that they deserve and since starting my business in 2017 I've helped over a thousand clients with that very mission and some of my work has been featured in Black Enterprise, Business Insider and I was named a LinkedIn top voice in 2020. And so now I'm taking all of that and I'm bringing it to you here in this podcast. So some of you who come over from the tap in with Tristan would know that I've been working with Living Corporate for almost five years and I provided over 200 short form tips to help listeners advance their careers. And after five years of that, I was tipped out, right? I provided as many tips as I possibly could. And so I went to Zach, who's the head of Living Corporate, and I asked him, I said, can we do another show, but instead of me providing the tips, can I bring on other people to provide their tips and insight and advice so job seekers and professionals who want to advance can hear from all different types of perspectives? And he was on board. So that was the birth of the Clarity Podcast. And the name is really a play off of my new company name, Career Clarity Solutions. Um, But it's spelled Clarity with a -A. T-E-A. And that T stands for transition, the E is equity, and the A is access, because those are the three main topics that we're going to talk about. I really want to drop 20 to 30 minute episodes discussing the latest career news, trends, tips, and things that quite frankly just piss me off about corporate America. Most weeks, I'm going to be joined by a special guest co-host, mainly career coaches, resume writers, HR professionals, and hiring managers. But some weeks, you're going to get just me, raw and unfiltered. I really want this to be a space where you all can get valuable insight to help you access opportunities and transition your careers. But I also want to use this space to call out corporate America on its bullshit and hopefully inspire deeper, more honest conversations about equity or lack thereof in the workplace. So, on this podcast, I'm going to be... So, each week, I'm going to ask our guest co-host a series of questions. And those questions are going to be pretty similar between guests because I want you guys to sort of uh, get these different perspectives. I'm going to ask them about the state of the job market, right? I'm going to ask them if now's a great time to be looking for a new job. And if so, what type of tips and advice do they have for people on the market? I'm going to ask them about what tips and advice they have for people who are trying to advance their career inside of their current companies. We're also going to talk about Gen Z. 
right? Gen Z is the generation that's coming into the workforce and they're really misunderstood by a lot of hiring managers and recruiters. So we're gonna talk about what they think uh, hiring managers and recruiters need to understand to attract and retain Gen Z talent. And then we're also gonna talk about things that recruiters need to understand about people who are searching for jobs today and how they should adjust. From there, we're going to talk a little bit about popular career news and trends. So each week, I'm going to send my guest an article, a recent article, um, talking about something career-wise. It could be about quiet quitting. It could be about the great resignation, all the things that we hear inside of the news and media. And we're going to provide our insights and thoughts and opinions on those things to really help um, provide you with different perspective of of what's going on inside of the space. Most of the time, those articles are gonna be tailored to the guests and what their industry is. I mean, sometimes they're gonna be more overarching general career articles. Um, but either way, we're gonna be providing our candid feedback and insight on those things. And then we're gonna wrap up with some uh, special segments that I have. So I have about six or seven different segments that I'm gonna introduce through different episodes. And I wanna hear from you. Which segments do you like? Which ones do you want to see more of on the pod? I want to get your feedback because I want this to be a resource for you all. And that's going to wrap up what the podcast looks like weekly, right? I always like to make sure I set expectations so people know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, so I wanted to sort of outline what's going to be happening here. And since this is the first episode, you're getting just me this week, right? Um, so we're not going to go through the questions, but what I do want to do is I want to talk about some popular career news that's been going on. So recently, I read an article in the New York Times about digital productivity monitoring and software. And so for those of you who don't know what that is, right, many companies and organizations, they put in place this digital monitoring software that really monitors productivity and detects active work and idle time. And these measurements often affect pay, bonuses, and promotions, right? Um, some are calling this one of the most significant expansions of employer power in generations. I go as far as to call it a significant overreach in power, right? Now, with some of these systems, some workers are able to turn off their trackers and take breaks anytime as long as they hit 40 hours a week. But most of the systems snap shots of employees' faces and screens to create time cards to verify whether they're working or not. And any snapshot in which they pause or, or momentarily step away could cost them some of their pay, right? And so for me, I wanted to talk about these systems because I don't think this is a great idea. I think that these type of systems erode the trust between employer and employee. And I mean both ways, right? Trust between the employer and employee and trust between the employee and employer. And without that trust, we walk around um, with, you know, this air that we need to look over our shoulder. Um, and it really decreases how productive we are able to be for the companies and organizations that we work for, right? I firmly believe that this is going to have a terrible impact on employee engagement and morale, and it's going to impact companies' retention and overall their bottom line. Because if employees don't feel trusted to do their work, then they're going to look 
elsewhere, right? No one wants to be micromanaged, and this is a way to micromanage without having to have a person do it. Now, before I get into too many more of my thoughts, let's talk about some of the employer sentiments, right? Um, so employers believe that this is going to allow them to manage with newfound clarity and fairness and insight. And they think that they'll be able to root out workers who are not being productive and that industrious ones can be rewarded, right? That's actually their verbiage inside of this article. Some employers also say that they're making a trade, right? If they're going to give up on bringing people back to the office, they're not going to give up on managing productivity. And so here's my take on this employer sentiment. This is all laughable, right? How can you gain clarity and be fair if the system is not accurately accounting for the whole job, right? So what I mean is if you work on paper or if you need to step away and take a call real quick with your coworker to clarify something, this system is not able to keep track of that, right? So how is this fair? How is this clear? How, what insight does this actually provide employers? Also, to describe an employee as industrious, <laughs> that's just a cute way to say exploited, rushed, and overworked. And let's talk about this trade that they're talking about, right? So if we're going to let you work from home, we're going to track productivity. This is not a fair trade. So many studies showed us that people were more productive when they were working remotely at home during the pandemic than when they were in the office, right? According to researchers at Chicago's Booth School of Business, they calculated that these work-from-home arrangements will increase overall worker productivity in the U.S. by 5% as compared to the pre-pandemic economy. So overall, the employer sentiment is really illogical and, and flawed and stupid from my perspective. Um, now, Similarly, I want to talk about some of these system creator sentiments, right? So one of the creators of these systems said, the real question is which companies are going to use it and when, and which companies are going to become irrelevant. <laughs> now, that is laughable to me, too, because this is nothing but propaganda under the guise of helping businesses with their bottom line while ruining employee relations and morale. Right. I talked about that earlier. Employee relations are going to go into the shitter and employee morale is absolutely also going to follow it. And when those two things are down, that's where you start to see high turnover rates in companies. But I digress. Now, some of the other system creator sentiments are they're redefining the way that people work or, um, you know, they're helping address the office settings that are chalked with unnecessary interruptions and the constant pings from smartphones that are growing threat to concentration, right? Now, this is, this is funny too. Uh, number one, if employees are having so many unnecessary interruptions in office settings, then why are employers pushing so hard to get them back in the office where they're going to be interrupted more? See how the logic ain't logicking, right? They also talk about these constant pings and throwing, growing threats to concentration. But there's never recognition that um, companies and organizations have infiltrated our digital devices as well, right? Half of these notifications that we're getting are coming from Slack and calendars and other work-related apps that we're expected to interact with and engagement on a regular basis, no matter how much they may impact our concentration and productivity, right? Um, and of course, the creators are also spewing all different types of um, um, you know, 
marketing language, right? They basically are like, once you see the metrics and insights, something changes, right? You realize how much time you waste doing nothing or just multitasking and not accomplishing things. Um, you know, another company uh, defended it, its practices by saying it was the Fitbit of productivity and spurring motivation, accountability, and remote freedoms, right? I call bullshit on all of this. Number one, you guys are the creator of the trackers, so you have to say good things about the product you created. But let's go to this Fitbit comment. The Fitbit of productivity. Well, Fitbits don't cost people their pay, first and foremost, right? And the accountability that the system provides is flawed. It does not account for many aspects of people's work. And don't get me started on the freedoms it removes, right? Most people want to work remotely or work from home because it gives them the freedom to do their work and complete their work as they see fit. It allows them to take care of their personal and familial obligations, right? to spend time with their families or to set up those dentist or doctor's appointments or to handle business that can only be handled during the nine to five hour. And by putting these systems in place, it does not spur remote freedoms. It removes those freedoms, right? People feel like they have to sit in front of their computer and be doing something on it at all times because otherwise this system is going to mark them as not productive and that's going to impact their pay, impact their bonuses, or even impact their ability to be promoted. So spurring remote freedoms is complete and utter bullshit. They're taking it away from employees. And you can see that with the employee sentiment that you get throughout the article. There's some quotes um, that called it demoralizing, humiliating, toxic, right? Um, one person said, you're supposed to be a trusted member of your team, but there was never any trust that you were working for the team, right? So it's really going back to this trust factor. You have to trust the employees that you hire to come in and do the job. Now, I understand that we have performance reviews and things of that sort, and we do need to perform. And so we need to be able to measure people on their performance. But how and when they do that is not necessarily the metric by which we want to measure performance by. It's the outcomes. It's what they produce. It's the results. It's the accomplishments, right? Not if they did that between nine and five, or if they did that at midnight. Now, I get that some companies and organizations, you need to be available during certain times, and I get setting certain work hours. That's okay, but that doesn't mean that people need to be tied and tethered to their computer every waking moment of those work hours, right? So really, it, it, it just really is not a, a great situation, right? It's intrusive. Um, and it's potentially misleading if you do any type of work outside of the computer. Now, the employee sentiments aren't all negative, right? There are some overseas workers that said the intrusion was worth the U.S. salaries that enabled them to buy homes or start businesses. But at what cost, right? Exploitation is the cost in order for them to get ahead and get these U.S. salaries, right? They need to be exploited in order to do this? No, right? It doesn't matter if it's a U.S. worker or an overseas worker. You need to trust them to do the job that they hired them to do. And you will know if they don't do the job. If the things aren't getting completed, you will know, right? You have other metrics to be able to monitor performance and productivity around this. Um, there was also someone who um, said that they craved greater tracking because they suspected that a colleague was doing far less than they were. 
And that's just nothing but a hater, right? I get it. I get it. I get it. We want the workload to be fair, but fairness in work is really a fallacy, if we're being honest. Everyone's not going to pull the same share, first and foremost. Now, if you're on the same team, yes, people should be doing similar work um, or have similar workloads, but that doesn't mean that we should just put productivity tracking in place because one or two people are carrying more work than the others. That means that leaders need to be more aware of the work that workers are doing and who's providing them with those results and those accomplishments. And they need to be having conversations multiple times throughout the year, not just at performance reviews, um, with those employees who they believe are doing less than the rest of uh, their teams, right? Um, and this should be reflected in their pay and in their their bonuses and and their promotions right but it does it doesn't require us to put productivity tracking tools especially flawed productivity tracking tools in place those systems are simply inept at capturing offline activity they're unreliable in assessing hard to quantify tasks sometimes they undermine the work themselves because sometimes you need to talk to colleagues to do your job and get through the day um and you know Sometimes these systems also just make workdays longer for many people because their offline work doesn't count. And, and also working online with unwavering focus is nearly impossible, right? Um, the article actually mentioned that many of these systems allow payment requests for offline work, but employees said that managers didn't encourage it. They discouraged them to do that. Well, why? If we know these systems do not account for a certain activity, then people need to be able to account for that activity, especially if the hours they're working are measured by this system, right? Now, there was a recent college graduate that said his manager asked him to uh, account for a particular 10-minute increment where his score dropped, and he had to tell his uh, boss that sometimes he has to use the bathroom. Well, the founder and chief executive of his company said they would never assess an employee over just 10 minutes of time. Never? Well, it seems like they did, right? The employee had to account for that 10 minutes of time. This is very much where the problem is. Executives may believe one thing in theory when it comes to using these systems, but in practice, it is the frontline leaders who have to employ this and deal with the blowback. Ultimately, this will be enforced unevenly, and that means that women and black and brown people will feel the brunt of this as these groups are already heavily scrutinized in the workplace, right? One New York Times report said that there were over 20 entries in a single hour of an employee's day, <laughs> right? That's insane. So you're literally tracking me every three minutes on what's happening here if there's 20 entries in a single hour, right? Um, some employees even reported that their compute when their computer shuts down, that their computer or the system, excuse me, the productivity system gets stuck in idle mode all night, throwing off their productivity numbers. Their manager said they, they were aware of that problem, but they couldn't fix it. Right? What? What? So we're just going to put these flawed systems in place. Know that there are things that can greatly skew the numbers that you're measuring me on, and you're just going to throw your hands in the air and say, oh, "We know it, but we can't fix it." That's 
insane. It's fucking ridiculous, right? Um, managers just don't know how to implement this fairly. We're not training them enough. We know we don't train frontline managers enough in the first place, but we're going to expect them to know how to discern when to use this productivity data and when not to use it. No, no, no. That's not going to work well. It's not going to be implemented fairly, right? And the unfortunate part about this is that the law provides little guidance around this. According to a law professor at the University of North Carolina, employers have complete freedom in how to implement these technologies to surveil workers. The tech is growing and improving faster than employees realize it and a whole lot faster than the government can regulate it. According to a venture capitalist, performance management is one of the fastest growing categories with an eightfold increase in funding in the last five years. This is bad, right? Employees are going to have to band together against this because these things have grave consequences for them. And so what is the solution here, right? What is the solution uh, against being monitored and tracked every moment of your waking working day? Is it unionizing everything? Maybe, probably, honestly. It actually worked at Amazon. They quietly eased back their time off task policy that they use to highly praise employees. Um, and, and then they also utilize those to fire those highly praised employees after one bad day. Due to unionized efforts there, they reformulated their rules. While they still calculate the workers' uh, productivity rate, managers have been directed to look only into uh, periods. I, excuse me. They've been... Uh, Managers were directed to only look into idle periods longer than 15 minutes, right? So these updated rules were meant to recognize employees may have to confer with colleagues or spend an extra few minutes in a restroom. Um, but it's just so funny to me that they had to be told that we're fucking human, right? That there are other things outside of these systems. And we just don't really realize the impact that we tend to have here. There was an example that they provided, and this is going to be the last thing that I bring up about this, but there was an example they provided uh, with hospice chaplains, right? So these hospice chaplains um, go in when people are dying or severely ill, and they, they really spend time with these people and provide them, um, you know, with um, religious rituals or religious scripture to really help them in their time of need. Well, these chaplains were made to share the number of productivity points they anticipated earning. And every evening, the software would calculate if they'd met their goal, right? But the problem here is that dying defied planning, right? Patients broke down, they canceled appointments, and some just died. So this made chaplains choose between seeing patients who earned the points or patients who really needed to be seen. This eventually led multiple chaplains to quit because they said the metrics prevented them from, from fulfilling their calling. Right? The director of the hospice company said the employee goals and performance were more transparent, workloads were more balanced, and the productivity project had been a success. There was a clear misalignment between the way the chaplain saw it and the way that the hospice leadership company or the hospice company's leadership saw it. Right? If you thought that this project had been a success, what cost did that come at? Because it seems like you, you, you lose those chaplains that really cared about their patients. 
And is that really what you're trying to do here, right? Sometimes I understand that the intent of these type of systems is to help in the long run, but we have to realize that there are short-term impacts and long-term impacts that are insane for employees and employees are the ones that are getting the short end of the stick here. So that's my take on this productivity monitoring and software type of conversation. I truly don't believe in most industries, in most cases, that these software actually help with productivity. And if anything, I think they tend to hurt employee morale and hurt companies' retention rates, which in turn hurts their bottom line. But who am I? I'm just giving my thoughts and opinions. So that's the type of stuff that you're going to see from me, right? You're going to see from this podcast. I want to have those raw, unfiltered conversations. You're going to hear a little cussing. I'm going to ask people to bring themselves to this podcast. And I really just want to provide insight and perspective on what's going on in corporate America and beyond. So That is going to wrap my first episode of the Clarity Podcast. I appreciate you all tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe so you can see every single episode. And if you could, I would greatly appreciate it if you can give us a five-star rating across all the places that you listen to podcasts. It's going to help us reach more people, um, and it's going to help the podcast stay here. So make sure to tap back in with us next week for our first guest co-host, and I really appreciate you once again for listening. Until next time, talk to you soon.